Blue Cliff Record, Case 24, Iron Grindstone Lewis Lewis Feast. Iron Grindstone Liu went to Master Guishan. Guishan said, Oh, you old buffalo, so you've come. The Iron Grinder said, Tomorrow on Mount Wutai, there's a big charity meeting and feast. Will your reverence be going? Guishan lay down sprawling. The Iron Grinder immediately left. Please sit comfortably. The rain falls, the earth gets wet. How do you express that? The candles are bright. Quiet here tonight. Someone rabbiting on about Dharma, but otherwise quiet tonight. <laughs> And old Iron Grindstone Liu, or the Grinder, is a woman teacher who lived in China in the ninth century. Um, she left home at an early age, entered a convent, and was ordained. After a few years, she left and wandered throughout China, seeking a teacher and challenging those who would engage her in Dharma combat. She had encounters with various Zen teachers and eventually gained a reputation as a brilliant and devastating opponent. She was said to be a steely stone who could grind up and also sharpen the inside of those she encountered. Remember the question of that monk, and it seems like months ago, um, in the first Tasho. The mountain slopes are brocaded with flowers, the valley streams are brimming blue as indigo. And this is in reply to the monk's question about uh, what is the hard and fast body of reality? So this image for the Dharmakaya is, is vast, pure, empty, but it's always because it's, there's something that's associated with hardness, with the diamond. Um, with incorruptibility, with unbreakability, with a sense of law, L-A-W. Eventually, Iron Grindstone Liu studied with the revered Zen master Guishan Lingyo and became his Dharma heir. At the time of this encounter, she had completed formal study and had settled on a mountain nearby. And we can assume that she visited her old teacher from time to time. And this account is taken from uh, The Hidden Lamp, The Stories of 25 Centuries of Awakened Women, edited by Florence Kapler and Susan Moon. Her biography comes from there. The biography is by Pat Enkya O'Hara. So Guishan uh, Lingyo lived from 771 to 853. And uh, so Ekin Roshi recounts 
a little bit of his early story here. He became a monk at the age of 15, began said study with Pai Chung when he was 24. One late evening he was sitting up in the dark and was accosted by his teacher, Pai Chung. Who, who is it sitting there in the dark? Kuei Shan said, it's Ling Gao, master. Pai Chung said, rake up the hearth. Kuei Shan arose, stepped to the hearth and searched for live coals but found none. The fire has gone out, he said. Pai Chung took up the tongs and deep in the ashes he found a small live ember. Holding it up he said, what is this? Ekinoshi comments, with that Guishan could acknowledge the live coal of his own nature and was deeply enlightened. Yeah, it was so simple. Just that live coal between the tongs. So his teacher, uh, Pai Chang, um, the story goes that he wanted to build a new monastery. Uh, enter his geomancer friend who knows a mountain that would be an auspicious, pla auspicious place to build the new monastery. A mountain whose orientation is propitious, its configuration perfect. Um, in terms of the teacher for the new monastery, Pai Chang, the old man, said... Uh, I could do it. Uh, no, said the geomancer, you're too old and frail. Uh, at that moment, the head monk wandered through. Pai Chung said, perhaps he could do it. Pai Chung eventually decided to hold a competition such that the winner would become the founding teacher at the new monastery. He invited all his monks to make a presentation saying, the outstanding one will be sent. Then he took a water bottle and set it on the floor and said, don't call this a water bottle. What would you call it? Uh, this technique, which he used all the time with his monks, he'd say something like, <coughs> say something without moving your lips or tongue. And there are three stories in the Blue Cliff Record of this um, with monks attempting this with varying levels of success. Um, and here it's another kind of gag. Uh, I call it a gag technique. Yeah. Yeah, so he invited all the monks to make a presentation saying, the outstanding one will be sent. Then he took a water bottle and set it on the floor and said, don't call this a water bottle, what will you call it? The head monk said, <clears throat> it, it can't be called a wooden clock. Yeah, I mean, I think you intuitively feel that this perhaps doesn't really uh, have the goods. Uh, bai Chang then asked Gui Shan, the, the cook at the monastery, his opinion. Gui Shan kicked over the water bottle and walked out. Pai Chang laughed and said, the head monk loses. Gui Shan thereupon 
was made the founding teacher at Mount Wutai. In the early years, he had a hard time of it. And Aiken Rashi has a nice description of what that was like in the early days. At the top of Mount Wutai, Guishan built a, a hut of mud, branches and straw. He ate chestnuts and strawberries, made friends with monkeys and birds, but nobody came. Eight years passed. Finally, he said to himself, this doesn't make sense. I am supposed to be the founder of a great monastery, but here I am all by myself in a miserable hut, talking to monkeys. I'm going back to civilization where I can be more effective. So he packed his gear and started down the mountain. On the path he met a tiger. In one version of the story, the tiger grasped him by the sleeve. In any case, Guishan reflected, this tiger seems to be telling me something. So he turned around and went back to his hut. And sure enough, soon after, three monks appeared and helped him. Finally, with imperial assistance, he was able to build a great temple that later would have 1,500 monks. And Aiken Roshi comments, quite a blaze from that tiny bit of live coal. Yeah, indeed. So here is a dialogue. Um, tonight's case is a dialogue between um, Guishan and Iron Grinder Lou, the, the old buffalo. Uh, buffalo is significant here, um, very much, uh, 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 water buffalo were hugely valued um, in Zen monasteries and it's also the image of a teacher who is teaching there and um, Nanchuan is particularly associated with the water buffalo, um, uh, doing the huge work of the way, teaching large numbers of monks, uh, generation after generation. So the, the buffalo or the ox were also symbols of enlightenment as well. So her nickname is the old buffalo here, carrying all of that association. Uh, Guishan said, oh, you old buffalo, so you've come. The iron grinder said, tomorrow on Mount Wutai, there's a big gathering and feast. Will your reverence be going? Guishan lay down sprawling. The iron grinder immediately left. Um, so, Guishan is pleased to see her. But there's a challenge uh, in his words. He says, Oh, you old buffalo, so you've come. How do you, how do you stand in respect to coming and going? Yeah. How, how is that for you? Um, 
Yogananda said, tomorrow on Mount Butai there's a big gathering and feast. Will your reverence be going? Now Mount Butai is about a thousand... Oh! <laughs> I think this is the wrong mountain. Anyway, the mountain that's referred to uh, is... Uh, 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 there's a big gathering tomorrow. Uh, will your reverence be going? And it's a thousand k's um, away. Yes. And that's her push here. How do you stand with respect to coming and going? Mm -hmm. This is a beautiful dance between the two of them. Kweshan immediately lay down, sprawling. Already there. No need to go anywhere. Yeah. How can the universe come and go? And the iron grinder immediately left. That's her complete presentation. In the world of no coming and no going, there is this. And off she goes. It's so brief and elegant, uh, this exchange between Guishan and Iron Grindstone Lou. I remember when I came back from my first session, uh, Richard Ratajczak, who was staying in the family home, was a Polish double bass player who taught me how to do Sazen and recommended that I don't use the pillows on my bed but actually um, make a cushion to sit on uh, as I foot. Um, and uh, <laughs> he was kind of sceptical about me going to Sashin. You know, like, you're going all the way to Sydney for what? And he said, well, look, here, I'm going to give you something. So he got a, a military belt, which he had, and he said, you wear this, this will help you. <laughs> he says, I had this big webbing belt around me, which I wore for a few days until it was so tight, I was thinking, nah, this is not, this is not doing it, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, he'd been in the Polish uh, Zen scene, and... Um, and been cook at one of the sessions um, uh, that, that had been held there, as he put it, in the forest. So we were together one day and he just said to me once, um, leave without leaving. So I just left. <laughs> and he went, what? <laughs> I'm not putting him down. He was huge in my life, both musically and for, in, for his, his Zen training and instruction. Um, 
This is the Khan of Possum the Cat. And uh, Glenn Wallace and I are walking um, in the wetlands along the edge of the um, Swan River. Uh, trying to think of the street that goes down there. It's near the bird sanctuary uh, in Bayswater. And we're walking up this uh, little track along the edge of the river in the wetlands. And um, Glenn said, oh, it'd be a great place for possum. And uh, I said, why would she leave her territory? And Glenn said, how could she leave her territory? And, and then Glenn himself left. There's a great uh, dialogue with... Um, between Yun Men and uh, the, uh, a Dongshan. There's two Dongshans. Uh, one Dongshan Liangjie, who's famous, uh, lived in the 9th century, and a later Dongshan, Shao Chu, lived in the um, 10th century. And some of the, there are several Khans in the, in the, um, in the women Khan. In which he features. He's very young here, and his teacher is the great uh, Yun Men. So this is a uh, this is a coming and going with a vengeance. Dongshan came to see Yun Men. Yun Men asked him, "Where were you most recently?" Dongshan said. At Chatu, Yun Men said, Where were you during the summer? Dongshan said, At Patsu Monastery in Hunan. Yun Men said, When did you leave there? Dongshan said, August the 25th. Yun Men said, I spare you 60 blows. Uh, this, this is so beautiful because uh, the, the student here basically is answering just with, with perfect honesty um, and straightforwardness there's nothing tricky or anything he's just saying yes and then I did this and then I went here and, uh, answering the questions reverently and straightforwardly and suddenly Yunman says I spare you 60 blows and in a way he's he's Pulling him up and, and saying, in, the world, in this world of coming and going, where do you stand? Come on, come on. And it's said that all night in the ocean of yes and no, uh, Dongshan struggled to the ultimate. You know, where was I at fault? What did I say? What was amiss in that? Yeah. So the next morning, exhausted and sleepless, he appears before his teacher again and said, Yesterday you said you spared me 60 blows. I don't know where I was at fault. Yeah. Straightforward and honest. Yun Men said, Oh, you rice bag, why do you go about in such a way 
west of the river, south of the lake. With this, Dongshan had great realisation. What did he realise? Oh, you rice bag, why do you go about in such a way, west of the river, south of the lake? You know, in all this coming and going, uh, there is something which is always at rest. It's not necessarily the floorboards. Oh, you rice bag, why do you go about in such a way, west of the river, south of the lake? So in this world of coming and going, where do you stand? Yeah, what is your true home? last dialogue with Guishan again this time I love this uh, little dialogue this is between the 13th daughter of the Chong family and Guishan her elder sister also makes an appearance and this koan is taken from Dogen's collection of 300 koans called the Mana Shobogenzo uh, this is the Chinese I Treasury of the True Dharma. Um, it's interesting that Dogen's early teachers, Esai uh, and Myosen, were Rinzai teachers, and he received transmission from Myosen in 1221 after seven years of Khan study. So it's not so surprising he compiled a book of 300 uh, Khans. Um, and it's just a mistake to claim that Dogen never used Khans in his teaching. Indeed, he did so uh, with stunning genius, taking those Chinese traditions and reworking them. Dogen is like the Beethoven of the Zen tradition. He inherits the, the, a classical tradition. Um, what is it? What's the name of the, the Sadong uh, tradition in China, which is both um, silent illumination and koans. Great teachers there were, were uh, like Hong Zhe, um, taught silent illumination. They also uh, compiled a book of 100 cards and wrote verses and all of that. So it's a magnificently um, rich tradition. Dogen inherits this and then is stunningly creative in terms of what he does with it. Um, Just like Beethoven took those classical traditions, and uh, especially in the late works. I mean, the, a lot of the earlier work looks forced to Romanticism, but the late work looks even beyond it. And Dogen is like this. And we're still discovering this huge legacy. Um, some of it not translated at this point, quite a lot of it, I gather. So he had this collection of 300 Khans, um, and... Uh, this one is uh, the 13th daughter, uh, Khan. 
The 13th daughter of the Chong family at age 12 went to study with Gui Shan, accompanied by her senior Dharma sister. The sister made a full bow to Gui Shan and stood up. Gui Shan said to the senior Dharma sister, <coughs> Where do you live? Good question. She said, I live near Nantai River. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, again, a little bit like um, uh, Dongshan. Um, yes, she's caught in that coming and going place. Doesn't get the gist of Guishan's uh, question. Guishan yelled at her and told her to leave. Then Guishan said to Chong, the younger sister, where does that woman behind you live? And this is his way of asking, well, what is your true home? Chong released her body, walked close to Guishan and stood still with her hands joined. Everybody lives here, even you, even my older sister. Um, you know, she, she has vulnerability, she's vulnerable, and she has courage in her response. Imagine the power differential here, because you, the feeling of Guishan is he's old. And he's got 1,500 monks in the monastery. Um, and in spite of the fact that his school is called the School of Friendly Equals, um, <laughs> it's hard to pick up on the friendliness in some of this um, so yeah um, that uh, gasha um, uh, equally equally empty equally to be loved equally a coming Buddha this is Sartre Wells's Beautiful, beautiful account of Gasho when you bring your hands together. So, you know, it's very interesting. Guishan repeated the question. Uh, Chong said, I've already told you. Guishan said, go away. Uh, this go away is quite different from the one directed to the older sister. What's the essence of true dharma in go away? Sean hmm? quietly left and went up to the dharma hall. The night moves on little feet. The senior Dharma sister said, you keep saying that you understand Zen. That was an immature statement. Today you were questioned by a great master and uttered no words. Chung said, my goodness, how can you talk like that? And still you say you're on pilgrimage. Take off your patched robe and give it to me. Now this violates hierarchy big time. <laughs> I, I love this spat between the sisters immediately finding this profound interchange with the teacher. Um, 
Later, Chong said to Lo, Lo Shan, who was a successor, uh, who's further on, a uh, successor of Yan To. She says, when I was, this is, um, this is Chong, the younger sister. When I was with Gui Shan, I responded, to, I responded to him in this way. Uh, did I attain equanimity, she says. This is interesting. One of the... Equanimity is often associated with experience of emptiness. Like, you sit, you sit long, uh, the way opens uh, for you. And one of the things that it... Outcomes of this is equanimity. At least a measure uh, of it. Yeah, um, I think here the sense of equanimity is more like consonance with all that is. Did I, did I attain consonance with all that is? And the teacher said, Luoshan said, you are not faultless. That's a challenge. You, know, you are not faultless. And Chung said, Where's my fault? Can you feel the, the slippage here? In the dialogue. Uh, it, here. Loshan scolded her. You useless, good-for-nothing, pretend student of the way. And she said, It's like spreading flowers on brocade. like spreading flowers on brocade. Uh, that abuse is no less than the way itself. Uh, true home, if you will. It's also not subject to coming and going, if you will. It's like spreading flowers on brocade, like the stars come out, the rain comes down, you feel tired, it's been a long day. Do use the precious time that we have here. Thank you all for your attention. <laughs>